Welcome to the Building Community Podcast, a show for thought leaders like you. You know that success depends on relationships between your organization and the people in and around it. In our show, I speak with experts about building people networks and engaging community. Together, we share how community helps you reach your corporate goals. I'm your host, Simona Pecha, and I've been empowering organizations for a decade and a half doing exactly that. Ready for it? Listen in as we set out to make communities thrive. Thanks for joining us on the Building Community Podcast. For this first episode, I'd like to take the mystery out of community. Since I started Thrycon, there were a lot of questions about what I do and what community is, and around why we need it. And also, when should we have one or who needs it? So I'd like to shed some light on this as we get started. In the next episodes, I talk to experts from across the globe and from a variety of sectors. We speak about how they work with their communities and we dig a bit deeper into how they use community to support corporate success. Now, you'll all meet my wonderful husband, Peter. He agreed to interview me for this episode. Hi, honey, and thanks for joining us today. Sure, it's my pleasure. I'm really glad to be here and to be part of your passion project. Thanks. I'll let you take it from here. To get started, I want to tell your listeners a little bit about you. Not everyone knows you yet, so here goes. You're not only the host of the Building Community podcast, but you're also the founder of Thrycon. Thrycon is a boutique consulting firm and you help organizations build genuine relationships with their stakeholders. What organizations get when they work with you is thriving people networks and engaged communities. You're also a professional who grew up in Austria and lived half of her life over in Europe, and the other half here in the United States in the greater DC area. You still travel to Austria regularly and spend quite a bit of time there with friends, family, and for business, of course. So you have the best perspective of both worlds. You're fully immersed into the North American thinking and at the same time clearly understand the European way of doing business. I think that's what makes you a perfect fit for what you're doing with Rikon. Now, let me get started. There are a bunch of questions that people are burning to hear you answer to. You've helped organizations build community and people networks for over a decade and a half now. That's networks of different sizes, shapes, and formats. How do you explain to people what community is? Well, to me, community is when a group of people come together around a motivation they all have in common. Something that's important to all of them that uh, can be interests like science or goals like women who lift up other women. Activities like running, hobbies like gardening, geographic proximity even, like people who live in the greater DC area like we do, or a professional common denominator, like working for the same organization. And there are many more examples out there. What's key to community in my eyes is that people are put first. That's why I often refer to it as people networks, because we know of networks as interconnected systems at work. We know that from specific disciplines like IT, for example, right, there is a lot of research out there, like network theory. So how I explain what community is, is that you want to have a group of people that come together 
around something they all have in common and something that's important to all of them. I hear you talking about people coming together. How does that work? I mean, the bringing people together part. Uh That's sometimes the easy part, uh, but at times also the biggest challenge, how to get people to gather. Often this coming together of like-minded people can happen naturally and organically. People just start hanging out together because they value the same things. That's a community developing naturally, people finding their natural place. And that can be maybe the place where you work or the place where you volunteer or a place that you just go to in your free time. And then there are all the other cases. That's when communities grow through structures that are set up by somebody and that somebody can be an individual or an organization, like an employer. What's key here is the intentionality behind it, the goal to bring people together around a common thing, one common thing. And I'm doing my air quotes here around the term common thing because like we mentioned earlier, there is always one key common denominator that brings people together for a community. The communities purposely brought to life for organizations, they are what this podcast is really all about. It's organizations purposely designing ways for people to gather that can be virtually or in real life. And ideally, if you ask me, there will be options for both the virtual gathering and the gathering in person so that people can get together to support each other, to provide a space for a give and take and I think that's the key here, right? The back and forth, because in a healthy community, your members don't only take, they also give, they want to give. They have this intrinsic motivation to give back, to be part of something larger than themselves. Um, The same goes for the organization. You give first, you put people first, and you give yourself and your community members time. That's something that's key when you bring people together. Don't expect magic to happen all at once. Relationships take time to develop um, in our personal lives, in our professional lives. And the same also goes for community. So you want people to give and to get actively involved. But everyone has so much going on today. And I think few of us have time for extras. Why would anyone join a community? You're right. There's too much going on in our lives already, right? But communities in certain ways can help. People join a community for a reason, and that reason can be a service or a product or a program that you offer them that's attractive to them, that makes their lives easier, that saves them time because they know where to go and have easy access when they look for that service product or often it's information, a piece of information. For a community, there is always this one thing that makes people take this first step to join a community, to respond to your invitation, something that makes their ears perk up. (laughs) That's why it's so important to do your due diligence before you start a community. You need to find out what this one specific thing that perks their ears up, what that is, so that you can get people pay attention and listen and to get activated and want to be part of it. I sometimes get asked what this one thing is, and very unfortunately, (laughs) it's different for every community because different people have different needs and also at different times. There are a few examples that maybe I can give you. One would be access to connections or information. So the network and the know-how, the knowledge. Others can be events that your potential members can participate in or even speak at. 
opportunities for them to be mentored or to give back by mentoring somebody else, or just a chance for them to engage with others who have similar motivations on a personal level. So just this gathering, getting together with others for an informal exchange. And here is again, we're planning out each step and each touch point of the community and the community experience comes in. We need to make sure that the act of joining our community can be done quick and easy. We don't need hoops to jump through, right? Barriers to entry should be really low so everybody can join easily and in no time. And with everybody, I mean the people that you have previously defined as potential members that you want to reach. Let me get this straight. So that's why they join? Because it's easy and they see something that's clearly interesting to them? So I already touched on why people would want to join your community. Let me also point out that why they join is typically different than why they stay involved and stay engaged. That is two different things. The first point of entry and the long term, staying engaged and staying in touch. People first stop in to consume and that's natural to observe before jumping in with both feet and slowly they may get more actively involved and they may want to contribute. And as they get active in a the community, they start feeling more at home and they feel seen and heard. And that is exactly where our emotions kick in. That feeling of belonging that we speak about so often in our community circles. It goes back to our most human needs. Exactly that feeling used to be what made sure that we survive among saber-toothed tigers <laughs> out in the wild, right? We're, we were part of a tribe to survive that's so innate to us humans, our human core experience. And obviously today in our business world, things are a bit different, but not so much. We still prefer to gather people around us who, who have shared values, the same goals, who are loyal to us and who have our backs. Back then, we needed to group together to survive so that we won't get eaten and so we had something to eat <laughs> and to sum this up we have one reason why people join a community why they take this first step that one thing that you have to identify that piques their interest but then second our emotions and our human needs help us decide to either stay part of the community if we feel belonging you know if we feel seen and heard and appreciated or just to get out so concrete value from services and programs on one hand, and knowing that we're part of something bigger than ourselves on the other. So how about the organizations? From their point of view, what is the benefit? Right, community has not been on our C-suite's radar like other initiatives have. And I'm thinking marketing or social media marketing and business development and sales and HR and people operations. All these are on our leaders' radar every day. They have more visibility. But mark my words, community will have as big a role in the future of our innovative companies as these other roles have today. And I also tell you why I think that. Communities and people networks actually help organizations reach their business goals, their operational, financial, and corporate goals. Because if you do it right, your community and your community goals are aligned with your corporate goals really closely aligned on a strategic level. And that's important. So let me repeat that. If done right, your community goals are aligned with your corporate goals. Community never takes the place of any other role. It always supports different functions in your organization. It's the add-on that makes things that you have in place better. 
So business development, for example, learning and development, brand advocacy, talent acquisition, and yeah, also employer branding and corporate culture. So community is the spice that makes things that you already have in your organization even better. How about you give me some specifics? Okay, so I mentioned business development first. That's actually the root of why big consulting firms originally across the world were some of the first to have corporate alumni networks, also in the legal and financial industries. For them, it was super important to have people hire them when they're in a role to do so, so that they can earn future business from those people who have left and who already trust them. For the second example, maybe let me pick learning and development. That's where we expect knowledge exchange to happen, productivity gains, mentoring for our team members. So if an organization has a corporate alumni network, members can learn from other members in the community. They can get informal advice, share lessons learned, and be developed in their skills through these channels. And I'm also thinking a lot of alumni networks that do things right include retirees who have a ton of knowledge that they're able to share with newcomers in the organization today. Another example I mentioned is brand advocacy. Super important, right? That's where we have brand ambassadors rooting for us as an organization. Studies have found that people are about a third more likely to recommend you, your company, your product, your service when they're engaged in an alumni program. So we have our alumni out there who can be our testimonials and it comes naturally to them when we develop that relationship with them. When we have that close connection, then they will be happy to speak for us. And who doesn't want people out there to help promote their brand when they're not in the room, right? And maybe another example in our turbulent times today is talent acquisition that comes into play for organizations here. And that's a huge, huge, huge advantage that corporate alumni networks can tap into. We know that on average, it takes an organization about 42 days to hire a new team member. And the hiring process costs us around 4000 on average for a, a new team member, much, much, much more for leadership roles when you're talking about including recruiters and you have long onboarding processes, then we can go up to 70, 75,000 a person. So when you pull from a talent pool that you already have available, people who already know your organization, your systems, your culture, you can expedite this process significantly and save a huge amount of funds in the process as well. And maybe the last example that is really also very important today in our competitive market to attract talent, that's employer branding and culture. These two criteria come into play when you're working hard to hire outstanding talent, especially in today's times, right? Our organizations are fighting for talent every day and nobody wants to go to work for an organization with a bad rep, a bad reputation, where others say that people are not treated well and they're not made a priority and the culture is known to be awful. So organizations who have a pool of former employees who are rooting for them on social media, posting good stuff on hiring platforms, right? Giving them the thumbs up when they're being asked on LinkedIn, is this organization one that you recommend? That organization will have a very distinctive advantage compared to others. And they can attract top talent, those people who are choosy. And let me say, by the way, these examples that I'm giving you 
I'm referring not only to what I see happen in practice, but there is also data, there are studies out there that show the same thing. A study, for example, by UBC and PeoplePath. So tell me, has the global pandemic had an impact on what's happening in the community space today? I think it does a significant impact when community is concerned. It's a buzzword now and people are all ears when I talk about the benefits of community and especially big industry players and the startup scene. But also nonprofits and people in higher ed who've never considered corporate alumni networks, for example, but only always alumni networks for their former students. Everybody's now open for innovative ways to put their people first to actually show that they care and that they want to have a good culture. A lot of organizations had to lay off team members when things got tough and not having a way to support the teams and not having a place for them to fall back on, that's really tough. A good example that I like to speak about is a CEO of a tech company, Henry Ward of the equity management platform Carta. He had to lay off over 160 team members during COVID and When he had to do that, he talked to his team during an all-hands Zoom call and he explained to them why he had to make that hard decision. He was really empathetic, but there was another part that caught my attention. It was when he said that one of his big regrets is that he did not create a Carta alumni network. Things would have been different then. There would have been structures in place for proper offboarding, a way to rehire when the grass turns greener again for Carta, right? And assist them how those can be supported, those that are leaving, how you can provide them with educational opportunities, other initiatives so that you can show you have their back, Uh, you can give them training, support in their job search, make them know that you care about them, you care about your people, and not only in the good times, but also during bad times. So I think the pandemic opened up eyes of senior executives of management to a challenge that we hadn't really thought about previously. And, you know, we also face a new normal today, a new normal way of working, this new way our team members embrace flexibility, remote work are becoming more innovative. So we need to find creative and effective approaches that help us bring our teams together. Current teams and past, to be quite frank, it's not just the people that we currently have on board because the gig economy is in full swing now and people may come in and out of companies as full-time hires, as part-time hires, consultants, help for project work, be a mentor, and so on. And there is and will be a lot of coming and going among our team members today and going forward. And corporate alumni networks are the perfect tool that can help support those those new normals. and. We can stay engaged with our people. We can build and maintain those important relationships. Okay, so we're all in. Now what's next? How do we go about building a network? Yeah, here's the tricky part. Often we just want to jump in and get started. But what works best when you want to start a community is to actually go against your instincts. Your instincts, mine often do that, right? They tell me to go all out for community and show everybody what amazing things you can do and fast, better yesterday than today. And the variety of services and programs you can offer, you want to show that off and you want to prove how many people you can get involved, how much interest is out there. But I've learned that to start a healthy community, one that actually has a chance to survive and to thrive, we need to set it up for success so it can grow into something magical. And to do so requires us to take a step back, to start small and to go slow, to pick and choose our battle, as they say. And in fact, we can't do it all at once. We shouldn't even try 
to do it all at once. Because if we tried it, we'll dance on so many different weddings that we don't do any of the dances well. So we need to step back. Believe me, it's it's tough. I've been there. I've done that. No matter what your community should look like, the key thing is that you always want to start with a strategy. And I mean a proper strategy that your leadership team can get behind, the entire leadership team, so that everybody sees that what you're building will truly support the needs of the organization and the needs of your members. Having a one-sided approach can't really end well, trust me. To be successful and to really make sense in the long run, your community needs to align with your corporate values and with your strategies. And you need to find out what the purpose of the network should be. Do some digging, go deep, have a workshop, identify what the vision is, the true vision that you want to rally the network around, who your target group is. You really need to develop the persona or or multiple personas here. Do some research and dig deep. Allow yourself the time it takes to do that. It will help you be much, much, much more successful in the long run and define also how you want to interact with people. I know it sounds scary, but this strategy can be a fluid document. Actually, it should be a fluid document like a business plan. You iterate as your community grows, you change things around, you add, you take away And that is good, that is natural, and it will help you stay agile as you work on your community efforts. So how do you make sure your community is successful? Ah, the question of all questions. (laughs) When it comes to community, there is no one formula that actually guarantees your success. What works really well for one community may not work for another community at all. What people love one day may not be what they love the next time around. It may change. Things change. The only constant about community is that it evolves and changes over time because people's needs change over time. Things happen in our lives and our needs shift. But there are a few aspects that I've seen can contribute significantly to success. So maybe I'll go into those a little bit. First is again, my holy strategy. (laughs) A solid strategy is the foundation of your work and it's really worth gold. It's like building a house. When you have a strong foundation, you start out well and then you lay one brick at a time and you keep at it. And with time and effort, it becomes something amazing, something beautiful that can stand strong for a long time. Another uh, success factor maybe is backing and support. And I've already alluded to that a little bit. I mean, understanding and buy-in from key people in your organization. They need to support you. They need to support the community and they need to support the reason for your community. And that reason should always be, or at least have a component that you want to serve. A community shouldn't be used as a sales funnel or for marketing or product as primary motivator. When you give back, you will get back in return. Isn't that the law of nature? You know, it's like really key. If you give to somebody, they will give back in return. And The same goes for community. Community is a team effort and you can't really do it alone. So you need the buy-in from everybody, the backing from the top. Third is to always have a place for the community, a space where people feel recognized and supported, somewhere they can go. And best is a variety of ways for your members to interact with you and with each other. So that can be a portal, online portal, a platform, a website, some sort of a tool where people can get together, either in person 
or virtually. There are many options out there, but be sure to have a lot of different ways for people to find that place and to find how they can get in touch with you and with each other. Fourth is, again, the focus on people, putting people first. And I know you'll get tired of hearing me say this, but it's too important for me not to repeat and too important for community. People need to be put first. So communicate, communicate, communicate. And I don't mean speak, but rather engage and listen. Listen, listen, listen. Find out what your members love and what they hate and how what they love and hate changes over time. One that feeds right into this, that's the fifth topic I want to speak about, is agility, which is really key for community success. Iterate. Always have your finger on the pulse. Monitor your metrics. Use data. Learn about the health of your community. And then adjust as you go, change your approach, add new services, new programs to support your members with. And always adjust and make things better. Don't be happy with the status quo. Always strive for more and always innovate. Think outside the box. (laughs) So nobody's perfect. And the same goes for community. I haven't come across a perfect one yet. Hmm. And you've seen many. So tell me. Why is it that you started this podcast? Well, you know that I've been toying with this idea for a while now. The number one reason for me to kick off the Building Community podcast is to get the word out about the immense value I see in community in putting our people first so that we can bring the magic of community to more organizations. In today's world, people need the support really bad. And like you hinted at, I've come across many amazing communities in my 15, 16 years working with community and many can use help a supporting hand and i know organizations can't be successful anymore today if they do the same things they did 10 years ago times have changed they need to find innovative approaches to show their teams they care don't just talk the talk also walk the walk organizations can't be successful anymore by just investing in their resources and then dropping people when they walk out the door people are our most important resource And a lot of money goes into developing people and that relationship while people are with us. So we definitely need to think about how we can extend that relationship also beyond our team members' time with us. And, you know, I'm thinking about a new way, a more innovative way that employer-employee relationships can look like. You know that I believe that we need to treat our team members like family. I often liken it to a child that heads out to college. As parents, we invest a lot of time in our children, energy, sweat, tears often, and then we send them off to new and better places. And when the holidays come around, we welcome them back and open our arms. We stay connected with them. We help them out and we guide them along the way, whether they're within our home or outside. And we're happy to welcome them back if they want to come back. So... Today, we're only at the start of what economists call the gig economy and also the key term, the big resignation. We see a lot more attrition out there. People are staying at their nine to five jobs much shorter than they have in the past and more people move into consulting and short term roles. What it takes now is for organizations to really be innovative, to look ahead and know that if they take time now to develop those key relationships, they can get this edge, this competitive advantage later on because we know building a relationship takes time and it only counts when it comes from the heart 
So for all organizations, be it startups, enterprises, small businesses, nonprofits, government entities, all sectors really, I suggest to think long and hard about what role community could play in your corporate strategy. And I know we need innovation now so that things can come to fruition when it really counts, when it counts for you. That's really key here. Innovate now for future success. Who's the podcast for? Who should be listening in? It's for innovators in an organization, any organization really. For the HR director who knows that the way people work is fundamentally changing and it's not going back to where it was. That manager who wants to try something new to build those relationships, those lasting relationships with their people and see that retention numbers go up and see that boomerang numbers go up and happiness within the organization is increasing and their people start staying longer instead of going to the competition. And also for the startup founder who realizes that their future success depends on today's relationships, that you don't only build your network when you need it, but that you need to build it now so that it is there for you when the time comes. And also for volunteer coordinators at a nonprofit, those people who want to build their community so that their volunteers can engage each other and keep each other motivated, it actually saves the nonprofit time and energy and resources when this next big thing, this next big event comes around and volunteers are then, you know, so badly needed. And it's also for the director of grant funding institutions because we see now that they're realizing they don't only want to fund people's education and advancement in life, but they also want to stay in touch with them and see where they're going and get their alumni involved in helping the next generation of grantees succeed. It takes staying in touch with people and not just staying in touch, but building relationships over time, creating meaningful experiences, fostering engagement and allowing people to build that sense of belonging that's so important. That's really why I'm doing this podcast, to take the magic of community out into this world, to spread the word, shout it from the rooftop. <laughs> well, I know you'll do an amazing job. That was fun. Thanks so much for including me. And thank you for switching gears for a day. You did a really amazing job. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Building Community Podcast. Is there a leader in your organization or network who needs to hear this? Please share this podcast with them. Help get the word out about the immense value of community. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, tell a friend, and leave us a review. Until next time, help your communities thrive.